We're going to be over in Isaiah to start off with, over in chapter 51. There was a story that's told of a one night in Massachusetts. There was a police officer who pulled over a speeding car. As the police officer walked over to the car, he said to the driver, he said, Sir, do you realize I clocked you at 80 miles per hour? And he says, That's, that, that can't be. There must be something wrong with your radar gun. I had my car on cruise control and I was only doing 60. And his wife, sitting next to him, said, Now, dear, you know this car doesn't have cruise control. So the police officer began to write out the ticket. Well, it didn't stop there. He said, um, looked over to, he's, he looked over his wife and he says, you know, mad at his wife. I mean, wouldn't you be mad at your wife? He says, mad at his wife. Why do you open your mouth up like that? You need to just hush. Well, the wife said over to him, he said, well, honey, you should be glad the radar detector went off when it did or else you would have been clocked for a lot more. Police officer heard that, so he began to write out a second ticket for an illegal radar detector. <laughs> Doggone woman, why can't you keep your mouth shut? <laughs> the police officer said, "Sir, I also noticed that your seatbelt isn't fastened." Well, that's because you know when you pulled me over, I was I had to unfasten it so I could reach behind my my pocket and get the uh, wallet so I could give you my license. And the deer says, "Now, dear, you know your seatbelt wasn't fastened. You never fasten your seatbelt when you're driving." Well, now he's really mad because now he's got right now a third ticket for $75 fine. So he hollers, oh, he just says some nasty things to his wife. You know, doggone woman, you just need to hush. You just need to shut up. Well, the police officer now begins to look at the woman and he says, does he always talk to you like this? And she says, no, only when he's drinking. Oh, the trouble we can get ourselves into, right? We entitled this one, How Did I Get Into This? Sometimes we find ourselves in situations and we wonder, how in the world did it ever get this bad? It didn't start off this bad, but oh man, where we are right now. Last week we were talking about send, stop, and stay. That we need to take our cares and send them on. And not care about them, not think about them, not worry about them anymore. We need to stop worrying because in the passage we looked at, how many times did he say, do not worry? Well, we saw that stuff and we just kept repeating it. Do not worry. You just need to, to quit that. And then he went on and he went into places, you know, that we need to just get ourselves under control. We need to just keep ourselves in the, in the promises of God, keep ourselves going that way. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so we need to just get ourselves and just stay there in the peace of God. Stay there where we don't let our, our, ourselves wander off and begin to go off in these directions. We need to send on our cares to God. We need to stop worrying and we need to stay in the place that He put us. Stay in that place of peace. And we looked at some things to build up our hope on last week. And if you were not here, that is already up there and posted. You can go ahead and check that out. But over here in Isaiah 51 and verse 11, this is a pretty well-known story for us all, or verse for us all. He says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. 
Now, I read that to you in the King James Version because I am so used to the King James Version. When I was reading the New King Version, it sounded like a different verse. It's not a different verse. It, you know, it's still the same, but I'm just so used to this. How many of y'all are used to this verse? I mean, we sing songs about it. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Boy, this is good. We all like that verse. We all like the things that are associated with that. We need to check out some things here. Well, obviously, the first thing we're looking at here is sing. We need to be singing. Now, I notice that you look around at most Christians, we're not singing. What are we doing? Oh, it's so hard. Oh, the things that I face for God. Oh, the things that I'm doing for God, the faithfulness that I'm doing, the things that I stay through, the people that I suffer through, the situations that I've been in, just like Ethel was talking about here this morning. You know, people can be a problem. Situations can be a problem. Oh, we look at all these problems and they get us down and we stop singing. Don't we? This is, oh, I don't like the way this is. We're over at work and work, you know, they gave us the, the short end of the stick. That's never happened to you probably, but maybe some people that you know have gone through that. They got the short end of the stick on something and all of a sudden they went from singing to, oh. You're driving in your car and you're singing the nice worship tunes on the radio, the nice worship tunes on your iPod that you're playing through the speakers. Glory to God for that technology. Isn't that great? And you're sitting there singing and praising along and then all of a sudden somebody does something stupid in front of you. And where does the singing go? Right out the window. We're gone with the singing. Now we're into shouting. <laughs> but it's not the kind of shouting the Word of God wants us to, to get into. It's a different kind of shouting. And we left the singing. But he says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. Mm-hmm. And we like singing about that, but we don't necessarily want to be singing all the time. There are times we want to grumble and complain. <laughs> that we want to gripe and talk about how bad it is. And how this person did this and how unhappy we are this. Or just at least think on those things for a little while. <laughs> I mean, just meditate on that for a little while. Make myself feel a little bit better. And, oh, this is just tough. Oh, this is so hard. Oh, God, you don't know how much I go through. God says, my son went to the cross. What are you talking about? (laughs) Well, let's take a look at some of the other verses that are in this passage. Chapter 51 and verse 1. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you. And I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. For I, for the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and the desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Barrenness will be, will be replaced with stuff that produces. Wilderness will be like Eden. Well, this is good. This is better stuff. How many of you have seen barren places? Turn those barren places into places of prosperity. Take that barren job of yours and turn it into a place of prosperity. Take that place where there's no money and turn it into a place where there is some. Take that bank account that looks pretty bad 
and make it into one that looks like Eden. This is all pretty good stuff if we think of it that way. But you see, as soon as we stop singing, we're no longer looking at this promise. We're not looking at this situation. We're looking at, oh, how bad it is. How bad it is. Oh, it's been so hard. Oh, it's been tough. Oh, we got to get out of that kind of thinking. We cannot have that mentality. We cannot maintain that type of thoughts. We've got to get into the thoughts of abundance. We've got to get into the thoughts that are different. And you know, and all the time though, people keep coming at us with other things. I love to hear the stories of your work. You know, Ethel comes back and talks about how she got a bonus on this, and <laughs> Vanessa gave a testimony. She got well, she didn't give it to everybody yet. Oh. Can I say that to everybody? All right. Something really good happened to Vanessa that I'm not going to tell you about yet because later on she's going to tell you about it. But it was really good. <laughs> and I, I like hearing testimonies like that. Naz is over there talking about like, we got more work than we can handle. And that's all good kind of problems, right? But all around we hear all oh, the economy's bad. All the things are, are moving down. You know, the place where I, I had the bunk bed business from, they sometimes send me people. Because I told them, it says, if you ever have anybody who's on the fence about getting involved, send them to me. I'll talk to them about it and I'll help them get over the hump and get involved. And so they've actually, here's a guy, he's not sure whether he wants to do it. And so I talk to him a little bit. He says, well, you know, the economy, it's just not, I'm not real sure if I want to get into that. I said, who cares about the economy? <laughs> I said, if, if the economy hurts people, then the folks who are rich people, that were going to go buy their bunk bed someplace fancy, are not going to buy it from you. <laughs> I tell people all, of, all over the place, I don't have to make everybody's bunk bed. I just have to make some people's bunk beds. And all the time, some people are buying bunk beds. Dear Lord, I was, it's, been, it's been so busy, I actually had to stop advertising. I couldn't advertise anymore because I had too many bunk beds to do and people are waiting six weeks now to get a bunk bed. That's a, that's a good thing. We like, having, we like having more. But you've got to have that mentality of there's more than enough. We get around these folks, you know, and the government doing all kinds of stuff and Congress taking money out and April 15th just came and went and people had to pay some taxes or, or see how much money they actually did pay in taxes when they filled out. The, oh, that didn't look so good. Look at all that money. Oh, dear. All that money they took. And that's not even counting all the stuff they get on the sales tax and the gas tax and the whatever other tax. They have taxes on all kinds of other stuff. There's taxes all over the place. They're getting more of your money. You're working half the, half the year for the government, it seems. And that can get discouraging. But just think of how prosperous God makes that other half of the year. <laughs> Glory to God. But these are the kind of things we have to be thinking on. That this, we serve a God who, who causes abundance. Amen. Amen. That's what we need to be thinking on. Get around people who feed you that way. Don't get around people that are going to you know, help you out with, with thinking poorly. Oh, it's bad. And it's going to get worse. Yeah, I know it's going to get worse. Oh, we might even be laid off next week. Next week, I'm thinking today we might. <laughs> Just going back and forth and stuff like that. I mean, who needs that? No, I'm going to be working here as long as I want to be working here. You've got to change your thoughts. You've got to change the way that you go about it. We've got to get into that place of singing. And if something takes your song away, then you need to get rid of it. Don't let stuff take your song away. You know, I talk to you all the time about Rush Limbaugh. I know some people out there don't like him. Most people who don't like him have only heard about him on the news. And the news gets his stuff wrong all the time. I laugh at what the news says about him. Because I actually hear, I hear every single show. You know why I enjoy it? Because he looks at the nastiness that's going on out there and laughs at it. And said, it's not coming near me. <laughs> and he just laughs at it. He just has such a good time with the news. I listen to other people and they're so down. Even folks that you know are in the... 
have a viewpoint like that. You're just so down about stuff, and you come out of there feeling gloomy and down. And I don't want to listen to news like that. That's horrible. I want I want folks who are going to look at stuff and say, "All right, it's not going to come near me. Come near me." I want to be around folks like that because I got a whole lot of people out there. You know, there's a whole lot of Katie Couric's in the world. She's still on the air, on the radio or the what is she? TV. She, she's still on the TV. Doggone. That's amazing. Well, get her out of that. Get into a place where you have things that are barren and look at them as producing. Look at them as producing. Don't talk about them as being barren anymore. Aaron had a wife, or Abraham had a wife that was barren. Either he was barren or she was barren. Something was not wasn't going right. And he had to look past that. There are fields out there that they were barren for the children of Israel. And they had to look past those fields being wilderness and see a Garden of Eden. Amen. They had to see that. That's how we got to get into We've got to get into that way. You've got to get your thinking being fed on this kind of stuff. Don't listen to people who feed doubt and all that sort of stuff in you. You don't need that. You've got enough things around you that are, that are doing stuff in that way. So, so be on guard about it. Be on guard. I am, and you know, we've all talked about the news, and you know I despise the news, and most of you do too. But I can get so so distant from it. You know, stuff happens in the world, and it sometimes takes me a day or two to find out it even happened. But I'm okay with that because <laughs> I find out about it through sources that I'd rather find out about it. You know, I can go up on CNN's website and take a look at some of their things, get some of the Christian perspectives, or go in some other places like that. So I, I like having more control over it than these other folks. Because we're going to find out they feed on something. They, they give us stuff that's going to hold us back. Jump on down to verse 7. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. You people in whose heart is my law. Is, is His law in your heart? If it's not, it should be. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. You people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men. So last week it was do not worry. Now it's do not fear. Well, worry is just fear in it. <laughs> it's just another way of fearing something. We've heard before, Brother Doug Jones uh, taught us a long time ago, that uh, worry is just corrupted meditation. You're just mixing, mixing some fear in it. Remember the water we contaminated? You're just mixing some bad stuff in there. How many of y'all went out and drank some dirty water this week just to just to keep you fresh on that sort of stuff? <laughs> you people, in whose heart is my law, do not fear the reproach of men, do not be nor be afraid of their insults. Do not fear the reproach of men. Don't fear them thinking badly of you. Don't fear it. Nor be afraid of their insults. For the, the moth will eat them up like a garment and the worm will eat them like wood. But my righteousness will be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. Well, that's what we... Don't fear. Get the fear out. If stuff making you fearful, stay away from it. <laughs> Don't take it on. We got to... St- Just like we're not supposed to worry, we're not supposed to fear. Fear will hinder your hope. If it hinders your hope, it's going to hinder your faith. Fear is just a corrupted form of hope. Because when we fear something, are we not expecting something in the future to come that is bad? That's what fear is. It's not here now, but I know it's coming. 
When we were little kids, we were afraid of the monster under the bed and the monster in the closet. We didn't see them. But we knew that we knew they were coming. Any moment they were coming out. And we were afraid of that moment when they would come out. Even though we didn't see it. Fear is about things in the future. Hope is about things in the future. We've got to have God's hope. We've got to meditate on the Word of God and have that hope all around us. Keep meditating on things that build up the hope that God has for us. Don't fear. Later on, he says in verse 9, Awake, awake, put on strength. Well, get awake. Awake, put on strength. Stop being weak. Awake, awake, put on some strength. Get out there. Stop fearing. Put on some strength. Go on down to verse 10. Look at what he says here. Are you not the one who dried up the sea? Speaking of God. The waters of the great deep that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over. Isn't that what God did? He says, are you not the one who dried up the sea? How hard is it to dry up the sea? Is it beyond you? Sure is. But he did it. Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? So the ransom of the Lord shall return. Or as we put it in your in the King James, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return. Therefore, on the basis that God is the God who dried up the deep, that God is the God who made a way where there's a dry way where there was once water. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. It may look bad now, but the day is coming when you're coming unto Zion. The day is coming when you're coming unto the city of God. The day is coming where all this barrenness that you see around you won't be there anymore and there'll be abundant prosperity. It'll look like the Garden of Eden. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. But too often we have embraced sorrow and mourning and sorrow and mourning will not flee away when you embrace it. They stay. It's kind of like stray cats when you feed them. If you feed stray cats, they stay. They're smart. They get food. They're not leaving. You don't want stray cats? Don't feed them. If you want them, feed them. They'll stay. But we want the sorrow in the morning to flee away, but we keep feeding them. It's just like expecting that stray cat. Now look, this is the last meal I'll give you. Don't come back. (laughs) No, the cat's not going to do that. The cat's going to keep on coming back. Just like the dog in the house. The dog in the house sits under the chair of the one who... Right. He knows this one's the softy. I'm going to work over here on this one. This one, he don't give me nothing. This one does. No, come on over there to that. They're smart. They realize this door opens, this door doesn't. I'm coming over here to this one. If you don't want sorrow and mourning, then you must do the things that cause them to flee away. Oh, but the cats are so cute when they come up and they meow and they're hungry. And, you know, I just got to do something to help them out. So I just put out a little bit of milk and, and uh, well, you know, that seems to help them out a little bit. But then I had some tuna fish, so I put that out there too. And, and you wonder why the cats stick around. <laughs> sorrow and mourning stick, stick around, folks, because we allow fear. To come in and make its home. Because we keep feeding the thing. 
You've got to stop feeding it. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. You want to get this whole ball rolling, you've got to come with singing unto Zion. You've got to come to the place that was desolation and begin to sing and shout because God is the God who opened the Red Sea. God is the God who dried it up. This is the God that we serve. That's what's on your mind. That's, what's on, that's what has to be on your mind. You have to keep renewing yourself on that. This is the God that I serve. This is who my God is. So I come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. But they've got to first off come with singing. Not grumbling and complaining. I come with singing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Father. And just, you know, that's some of those tunes that you sing here on, on Sunday morning or some of the other ones that you, you have on CD at home. Just start putting them on. Just start going and get some of those David Ingalls tunes. <laughs> those are the best ones. Yes. You want to have really super abundant gladness and joy, those are the ones to get. Oh, man, they feed your faith. They can't help but feed your faith, even if you don't like the music. Amen? <laughs> I'm not picking on Ethel. <laughs> nah, I know that some of the style of music isn't like what all you like, but oh, I love the words. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. The words are the best. Can't just say the words though. You got team who just seems to follow. They just they're written for the tune. They just keeps going going through. But glory to God, just keep singing those things and just keep feeding on that good stuff. And the devil will come and whisper in your ear, "What are you doing that for? Look how bad it is. Look how desolate it is. Look how bad it is here in Zion." Look how empty the bank account is. Look how empty the fields are. Why are you singing? Oh, yeah, why am I singing? What did we just do? We just fed the sorrow and mourning. Here it comes. Sorrow and mourning sticking around. Oh, woe is me. Oh, but, oh, it's so hard. Oh, Father God, you're so glad. You should be so glad to have someone like me who's enduring all this stuff and still worshiping you. You're so glad to have someone like me in the family. I don't think you treat me right. I don't think you respect me the way that you should. <laughs> and just go on to God about that. You're taking care of everybody else's stuff, but you're not helping me with mine. Boy, you stop coming into Zion with singing. And everlasting joy is not upon your head. And you shall not obtain gladness and joy. And sorrow and mourning will not flee away. But we wanted to. Just because you wanted to doesn't mean it happens. How many of you all want to have a vegetable garden? Doesn't mean you have one, does it? Takes some work. How many of you all want to have a clean car? <laughs> that doesn't just happen, does it? It takes a little bit of work. Just because you want something doesn't mean it comes. How many of you want a raise? There's a lot of things that we want. Just because we want it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. We've got to get fear out. We've got to awake and put on this strength. Going down to verse 12. I, even I... And he who comforts you, who are you that you should be afraid? Who are you that you should be afraid? If God is the one, the one who parts Red Seas, the one who dries up the ground and drowns soldiers in it while he lets his people pass through, if that is the God that we serve and he is the one who comes to comfort you, who are you to be afraid? Amen. Who are you to be afraid? You've got no reason to be. You just, you're not understanding who your God is. That's why you're not coming with singing into Zion. I am and I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid? Of a man who will die and of a son, of the son of a man 
who will be made like grass. And you forget the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. Stop fearing because of the oppressor. There is no oppressor who is greater than our God. Our God laid the foundations of the earth. How do you lay the foundation for something that's spinning around in space? I don't know how you do that. But God does. Who stretched out the heavens. How do you, how do you stretch out the heavens? How do you make a universe like this? God knows how. And we're going to fear those who oppose Him. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he was prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive exile hastens that he may be loose, that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fall. But I am the Lord your God who divided the sea whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundation of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Oh, that God would say that to us. You are mine. You are my people. I'm looking out for you. I'm the one who's standing there and defending you. I'm the one who's helping you out. What in the world are you doing being afraid? We've got to chase that fear out. We've got to get rid of that stuff. I put this in your outline. Fearful people don't sing. They scream and cry out. They don't sing. Now you think of your, you know, if you like scary movies... Think of one of those. If you like those murder mystery movies and you know the bad guy is coming into the room, what do the people do? Scream. They scream. They holler. They don't sing. <laughs> Haven't seen one of those shows yet. CSI or NCIS or what else is out there? All those different ones. When the bad guy comes into the room, there's no singing. Don't you always get amazed at it when the people are hiding from the bad guy? And he comes into the room and just to help him out so he knows where they are, they scream. It's like, why even bother hiding? If you're just going to scream anyway, why hide? Why not just jump out and say, here I am, come and get me. Why not just go out there and sing some? What would they do if you sat there and you were singing? What would a bad guy do? We don't know. It's never been done on the shows. They have a one time come in and found somebody singing. I think, what are, what are they doing? <laughs> singing. They know something I don't know. We better get going. No, they scream and they cry out. That's why you enter into His presence with thanksgiving. Into His courts with praise. You don't come in there with crying out and screaming and hollering. Oh God, how come you haven't done this for me? How come you haven't come through yet? That's not how we come before our God. We've got to first off... Come and sing. Sing. Fearful people don't sing. Fearful people are worried. Fearful people don't sing. So you're going out there and you sing. People come up and remind you. Why are you singing? You've got all these problems. Oh, I do, don't I? Oh. No, just keep on singing. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. The word there for cast away means to throw it. Throw it away. Don't, why in the world would you do that? You know, if you're going out to your car and you're going to get in and you pull the keys out of your, your pocket or your purse or whatever it is that you have them in, do you just throw them across the parking lot? 
No, we wouldn't do that, would we? We want to use them. So he says, do not cast away your confidence. There's a confidence that we have. Don't cast it away. Which has great reward. It has great reward. What if someone, you all wouldn't do it, but what if somebody bought you a lottery ticket? Gave you a lottery ticket? And you had that lottery ticket? And that lottery ticket was a winning ticket. Would you throw it away? Why? That is a reward. There's money involved with it. Why would I throw that away? Well, the same thing. Don't throw away your confidence. It has great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. There's an endurance that you need to have. You've got to have endurance. You can't just throw it away. You can't just cast it off. Don't be doing it. Don't be messing with that. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We've got to do the will of God, and we've got to endure doing the will of God. Because as long as we do the will of God, people find us and try and get us to stop doing the will of God. So he says, you've got to have some endurance. You've got to tough it out. Don't just give in. Don't just give it up. Don't cast away your confidence. It has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Be like that football player. Carrying around that little pigskin around the field. And as soon as he gets the pigskin, what happens with everybody else around him? They all suddenly become interested in him. And they're all coming for him. You would laugh if you saw that football player throw the pigskin up in the air so that no one would chase him anymore. And come over to the side. Coach, they were going to kill me. I had to get rid of it. No, what's that coach want him to do? I want you to endure. I want you to hang on to that ball. Don't you be throwing that thing away. Endure. We've got to have endurance. We've got to take a couple hits here and there. And just keep on going. Then when they get hit, then they got that ball and they made a good play, are they sad? No, it may have hurt, but glory to God. This is good. Oh, man, you see that? 80 yards. Oh, yeah, take that, you guys. We got to sustain our confidence, folks. We got to sing and we got to sustain. Sing because we are not fearful and sustain because I have endurance and I am not throwing away my confidence. Endure through all that comes upon you. Now we're going to keep on reading here, but I'm going to read to you in the Weiss translation. It reads like this, verse 37. For yet a little, for, for yet a little, a very little while, and he who comes will come and will not delay. Now my righteous person shall live by faith. But if he draw back in fear, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Why is he going to draw back? Because of fear. Fear would cause me to draw back. But as for us, we are not of the shrinking back kind. I love that phrase. Amen. We are not of the shrinking back kind who draw back to perdition, but of the believing kind who believe to the end of the saving of the soul. Don't you like that translation? Boy, I like that translation of the... That's a good one. We are not the shrinking back kind. We don't pull back just because things get tough. We keep going. We are the believing kind. So you have the believing kind, and the non-believing kind would be the shrinking back. Don't be on the non-believing side. Don't shrink back. Yes, it's hard to maintain a good confession. It's hard to maintain that hope that God says is ours 
even though the world is going nuts. It's hard because all these folks want to get out there and say all kinds of, all manner of evil. You can say anything about any God except Jesus Christ in this country. Didn't used to be that way. But you start talking about Jesus and now everybody's all up in arms about you. You start talking about God the Father, Jehovah God. They'll get a little bit upset, but not as upset as they do when they, when you start talking about Jesus. You can talk about Buddha. You can talk about Allah. You can talk about all these other ones and that's all fine. And we can go ahead and do that because that's diversity. But Jesus, uh-uh. No, we can't be doing that sort of stuff. There's a reason for it. Don't you shrink back. You hang on to who Jesus is. You keep on going. What keeps us from sustaining mostly is fear. That's what keeps us out from sustaining. Don't let fear in. Don't let it come upon you. Just don't be afraid. Now, one of the best, one of the best ways to not be afraid is to just not know what's coming next. If you don't know what's coming next, most of the time you're not going to be afraid. You know, when you're watching the movie and the girl goes into the bathroom and the music starts playing, you all know what's going to happen, don't you? But she doesn't. She's just fine. She's just in there. It's no big deal. When the, when the people go out on the ocean at nighttime for a swim, they don't know what's going to happen. But you do because you hear, do-dum. <laughs> you hear the music. The music means he's coming. And so now you become fearful because you know what's coming next. If you don't know what's coming next, you're not fearful. Isn't that the way that it is? So how we become fearful about what's coming next is we worry about what might happen. So he says, do not worry and do not be afraid. If you don't worry about what might happen, you'll be all right. We ask that question, how did I get into this? Suddenly, I didn't think ahead on this thing. Now, my mom and dad will tell you very often, I didn't think ahead on stuff. I was not fearful because I did not expect anything bad to happen. I just didn't. I didn't think about bad things happening. I didn't think that there would be consequences. I just climbed. I just went in. I just did. Whatever comes from it after that, you know, sometimes I'll point out, you know, that could, really? Never thought of that. And I just go on. <laughs> Boy, they worked hard on me to try and get me to, you know, think ahead on some of those things about what might happen. But how did I get into this? How did I get into this mess? God doesn't want you to be so much caught up with all the worries and all the frets and all the fears that the devil wants to come over and put in your head. Oh, but this could happen. Oh, you could lose your job. Oh, this might not, you might not get this over here. This might not happen over here. This could fall through over here. This could break. And you begin to worry and you begin to fret. You begin to think about all this. Oh, yeah, what if it does? Hey, boy, if that does break and that goes, I don't know how I'll get the money to get that fixed. Oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. We begin to fret and think about all this sort of stuff, and it, sure enough, it broke. I knew that could happen. How many times have we said that? Oh, I, I just, I was so afraid that might happen. Mm. No, get rid of that kind of thinking. What's this, what keeps us from sustaining mostly is fear. Because the fear just keeps wearing us down and wearing us down and wearing us down until finally we get wore out. But singing doesn't wear you out. You get over there and just keep on singing. What are you singing for? You got all this stuff to be worried about. No, just keep on singing. What keeps us from sustaining mostly is fear. 
of what I could lose, I might not have that anymore. I might lose that job. I might lose that savings account. I might lose that thing over there. I get fearful of what could happen. What happens how that happens? What if that goes on over here? I get fearful of what others think. Well, if I say that, if I go into the office singing, proclaiming the praises of God, they might think something of me. Nope. Don't mess with it. Don't get into that, that way of thinking. We are not the shrinking back kind. <laughs> Glory to God. We are not the shrinking back kind. So as soon as that thought comes in your head, the devil, whatever it is that comes along, you ought to be afraid of that. That could happen to you. I'm not the shrinking back kind. <laughs> I'm the believing kind. I'm not the shrinking back kind. That's where we got to stay. Keep meditating on those things. Meditate on things that keep you in the believing side. Oh, but you don't know what I've been through. No! But you haven't had to cross the Dead Sea or Red Sea yet with the Egyptian army behind you. Those things haven't happened yet. God came through for them. You haven't been in a desert with no water, no food, no McDonald's, nothing. What are you going to do? Turn over your word to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Or just look up on the screen. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of the countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Now, if you're wondering what in the world all this means, it's pretty simple. Well, what happened was Moses would go before the, the tent of meeting and he would meet with God. And when he came out of that meeting, because of this kind of contact he had with God, he would come out glowing. His face would glow. And so he would come out with the glowing face and he would speak to the children of Israel and tell them what God said. And they're all looking at Moses with the glowing face. and oh, Moses. Oh. But Moses knew that the glory would fade away. When he would get away from that presence for a while, after a while that glory would fade away. And so what Moses would do was he took a veil. And he'd be before the people with the glowing face and he'd speak to them with the glowing face and then he'd put the veil over because he knew that the glory would begin to fade away. And if he put the veil over his face, they couldn't tell. So they thought he was glowing all the time. And he did that just to kind of you know, help keep the people into a respect phase. Because you know, he had trouble with them having respect. I think you see the guy glowing one time, that's all you need. <laughs> but not them. You know, this is the children of Israel. And so he would put the veil over so they wouldn't see that the glory would begin to fade until he would go into the tabernacle meeting again. He'd take the veil off, meet with God, come out glowing. And then the people thought, oh, he's still glowing. Man, he was glowing. He just glows all the time. I'm so glad he puts that veil on because I, I couldn't take that glowing all the time. Oh, man. And this is what he did. And so this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. I'm sorry, about what Paul is talking about over here in Corinthians is that he would do this because he knew the glory was passing. But... Paul is saying, we're, we're talking about glory that doesn't pass. That's what he's making the comparison to. Moses had a glory that passed. Moses' glory came out of the law. 
But this glory comes out of the Spirit. That glory passed. This glory does not. So if you're wondering what in the world all that wording is in there about, that's what he's talking about. But their minds were blinded for until this day the same veil remains unified in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. They can read scriptures about the Christ and not even see it. Until the veil is taken away and then they can see it. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Well, that means I'm freed from all that stuff. So I don't have to be in fear. I don't have to be worrying. And I can sustain what I need to sustain. I can sing when I need to sing. I can do all this because this is what works on the inside of me. Therefore, since we have this ministry, verse 1, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. In other words, we sustain it. We don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestations of the truth, recommending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Those things that we're ashamed to bring out. Those thoughts that we've had about other people. Those things that we just don't want other folks to know about. I hide those. Not walking in craftiness. Coming up with ways that I don't want people to know this about me. I don't want, I want people to think that I'm this way. I want people to think that the glory about me is there all the time. So I'm going to put a veil on. Some kind of craftiness to, to keep people thinking one way, even though something else is true. And not handling the Word of God deceitfully. How many Christians all go out there and they find a verse and they hang on that? Even though they know it's wrong. No other verse in the Word of God supports them doing what they're doing, but this verse, they seem to be able to make it, say that, and they're, they're being deceitful to themselves and to others. You've got to get out of that kind of way of doing things. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. That's a verse you use when you're praying for unsaved people. That the veil would be removed. Many people are not making a decision for God because they cannot see the light. So pray that the veil is removed. Father God, I pray that veil over their eyes is removed so that they can see light and darkness. Now, it's up to them. They can still choose to go the way of darkness. But it's their choice right now. They just can't see because someone is blinding them. So get that someone out of the way. You've got authority over that someone whose minds the God of this age has blinded. We have authority over him. Verse 5, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And over and your, ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who com commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's us. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That it's His power, not ours. We are hard-pressed on every side. How many like that verse? Yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, 
that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. You know, you want to, we talked about him before, but you want a good example of this, just think of Jack Bauer. I mean, struck down, but not destroyed, right? How many times have you, have you thought this is the end for, for Jack? No! He's been struck down. He just keeps getting up again. Keeps going after the bad guys. He is, he is determined to get the bad guys. And he's going to get them. He's going to save them. No matter what. Save the, save the good people. Get the bad guys. But we're hard pressed on every side. But we're not crushed. We're hard pressed. We're over there focusing on the hard pressing that's going on on every side. But, and, and the devil wants to see you're pressed here, you're pressed here, you're pressed here. You should be down. Oh, I should be down. Oh, no one else is pressed like this. It's just me. No, we sit there and say, yeah, but I'm not crushed yet. I'm still here. I'm still kicking. You haven't gotten me yet. Perplexed. The devil may come to you and say, you don't know the answer to that yet. You don't know how you're going to do that yet, do you? All right, I might be perplexed, but I'm not despair. See, he wants you to get you to the place of despair. He's trying to use the perplexing stage as the bridge to get you there. So you're just looking at straight in the face. I might be perplexed. I may not know how that situation is going to work out just yet, but I am not getting in despair. Persecuted, look at all these people coming against you. You must be doing something wrong. Something must not be right. Look at all these people coming. But I'm not forsaken. God is still on my side. God still remembers me. He is my Savior. Struck down, but I... Yeah, but you didn't kill me yet. And I'm still kicking. And I know that bugs you. And I'm going to keep on going. That's a different mentality. That's a different attitude. That's one who's going to sustain things. That's one who's going to keep on singing when they're going over to Zion. That's what you got to do. And in this one, we got to shine. we got to sing. we got to sustain. And we got to shine. We are called to shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the devil is going to continually try and put that down. But no, he's not putting it down for me. No, I'm still staying strong. I'm still going on the way that God wants me to go. I'm not giving into this. I'm not going in this direction. Verse 10, always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. What's he mean by that? Folks, you've got to keep dying. But dying to yourself. So many times we get angry, we get hurt, we get frustrated because something of mine is not being met. Oh, they don't know over that, over that job how they're hurting me on this thing. Just the way they find out what they're going to do without me. Uh-huh. And we get that, that, that's the wrong mentality. I'm not singing then, I'm grumbling and complaining. I'm letting mourning and sorrow and that sort of stuff come in. I'm feeling sorry for myself. Oh, life is so hard and it's so tough and I'm the only one and they should have, they should respect me better than that. And, and you don't know what's going on. But you've assumed the worst. Don't be assuming the worst about anyone. That's not your call. That's not what you're supposed to do. The devil's all the time, all the time trying to put you in situations to get your mind to go in the wrong direction. And once he gets to going in the wrong direction, he is satisfied. He is happy. No, don't let that happen. Stay in the right direction. Keep going the way that God wants you to go. Sing, sustain, and shine. Sing. Every time you come in design, wherever you're going. When you see barrenness, think abundance. When you see desert, think Garden of Eden. Just keep seeing it differently from the way it is. When you walk into that job, see abundant prosperity on that job because you're there. Whatever you see and it's not in existence, you, you see something different. And then you've got to start talking about it. 
got to start talking about it. You know, the, the, the people want, to, want you to think the way they're talking about the, the unemployment numbers, and, you know, the un, unemployment numbers, they're keeping them down around 10. They're actually over that. They, they changed the way that they're counting them. They don't count all the people that are unemployed. They just, they just count the people that say they're still looking for a job. <laughs> but anyway, they count the numbers down. It doesn't matter what the numbers are, even if the numbers are 15, 17, 18%. You know what that means? There's still 80% of the people that are working, that have jobs, right? So why is it automatically that we think I'm going to be in that 20%? You ought to do this test with yourself. If you have a 15% chance of winning something, if you go over to one of the state fairs and they have a little raffle going on, you have a 15% chance of winning something. How many of you go out of there thinking, I'm probably in the 85%, don't win nothing? Right? I mean, y'all think that. Oh, I don't know if I'd want to go ahead and put that in there. I'm probably among the 85% that aren't going to win anything. But you find out that 15% of the people in the country are unemployed. Well, that's probably going to be me. I'm probably going to be in that 15%. <laughs> How is it we always go and gravitate to the negative side? I can believe that I can be in the 15% group when it's bad, but I can believe easier that I'll be in the 85% group when it's bad. Why can't we switch that around? Why can't I believe I'm going to be in the 15% when it's good and the 85% when it's good too? Why are we always going to the bad side? Because I'm used to not singing. I'm used to sorrow and mourning. Oh, woe is me. I'm among the 15%. Oh, woe is me. No, get out of that think, way of thinking. And be thinking, Father God, the, they may fall to my left and they may fall to my right. I stand up does not matter. I just keep on going. That's how we got to have that, that mentality. That's the way our thinking has to be. We got to think abundance where the world tells us no. We got to think there is a way when evidence seems to tell us no. We got to think like the children of Israel did not. Then when the army comes at our back, the Red Sea is at our front and the mountains are to our side. Glory to God. Let's sing something. You got a song? Let's sing something. Why? Ah, you know, we're, cause God's looking out for us. He is? We got the Egyptians here, we got the water here, we got the mountains here. Where are you gonna go? It don't matter. God's on our side. We just gotta, Amen. we gotta change our thinking on that. Amen. Amen. Because as soon as we have our thinking go to the side that I'm in the 15% when the 15% is bad, and I'm not in the 15% when the 15% is good. As soon as we go to that type of thinking, fear comes in. Worry comes in and hope is gone. At least God's hope is gone. No longer do I have God's hope. I keep listening to the news. Oh, I hope that the, I hope, oh, I hope that the unemployment numbers went down. Oh, I'm so, so hopeful that the unemployment numbers went down. I laughed at it last week. I told it to my wife. I said, you know, they were bragging about, and they used the word unexpectedly again. <laughs> but the economy unexpectedly had a 1.6% increase. 1.6. Now, it was unexpected. A 1.6% unexpected increase. Dear Lord, what were they expected? <laughs> I mean, what were they expected? 0.9? What were they expected? Oh, man. Everything's unexpected. Stop listening to those folks. They, they aren't going to help you out. If you can't keep a wall up against that sort of stuff and laugh, I laugh at them. I just laugh at them 1.6. Oh, man. What is up with you guys? 
No, you don't let that stuff get in your head. Get out there. If you've got to turn off the news and turn off the news, you'll be better for it. If you can listen to the news and laugh at them, all right, then you go ahead and do that. But you've got to keep that stuff out because the negative stuff wants to come in and it wants to destroy our hope. Understand, He, he does not destroy you all, the, all at one time. If He wants to get you off track, if He wants to veer you off course, all He has to do is veer you off slightly. Because if you get veered off slightly, you're in a whole other county before too long. You ever followed some directions and got veered off slightly, made a wrong turn somewhere, and now all of a sudden nothing's looking right? And it's not familiar at all? Because the further out you get, the more you know, I am. this is not the way it's supposed to be. And how do I get back? And where there is a mistake? And all that sort of stuff. And we're just lost. We don't know what to do. That's what He wants to do. He wants to get you out there because now you're bewildered. Now you're lost. Now you're fearful. Don't let Him get you into that mentality. Don't let Him bring Him in that place. The hope of God is what we need to have. And we keep continually building up that hope. So we build up confessions based on just based on these scriptures we have right here. We can build up confessions from them. And I can go around singing them if I want to. But I can at least go around uttering them and saying them and speaking of them. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. And I can begin to talk about these things. Oh, the devil will hate that. People around you will hate that. They'll all be trying to quiet you down. You just need to stop that. Don't be talking like that. Something bad might happen. Don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance. Father God, I thank you that I endure all things. Then no matter what the devil throws against me, he will not win. He will not overcome. I will prosper on my job. I will have a job. I will do what it is that you're saying that I should do. God's just not going to provide for you. You've got to go out there and work. You all know that one. But he's going to give you a job. You go before God. Father God, I thank you I have a job. I thank you I have a job. That doesn't mean I have to have the job now in order for me to say that. But I see that God has promised me, therefore I have a job. Father God, I thank you that I have this need met. I thank you that this is coming my way. I thank you that the wisdom and understanding I need in this area, it's it's mine now. I thank you that it's mine now. And we just begin to go out and talk about that. And confess that. And sing about that. I'm no longer going around perplexed and wondering, oh, what was me? What shall I do? But I go around saying, Father God, I thank you. That you are my God. You are good. How many are in situations right now where certain situations are not the way that you'd want them to be? You'd wish that you want them to be a little bit different than that. You, could, you are coming to some places, like it said here in Isaiah 11, that uh, they were barren. They're barren. Some, there's, some barren there's some wilderness you're in. You need to look at that wilderness and say, Father God, I see not wilderness. I see abundance. I see abundance. And get up in the morning and say, I see abundance in that area. And go to bed at night. I see abundance in that area. Don't go to bed at night. Oh, Father God, this has got to change. Oh, it needs to change before tomorrow. Oh, before next week. If it doesn't change, and we get on to all faucet. You're messing with your hope. You're not going to have the kind of hope that you are supposed to have because you're worrying. You're fearful. And that just drives it all out. You're feeding the stray cats. And they're going to keep hanging around. And they're going to go get their friends. And their friends are going to come along. And pretty soon it's going to smell at your place. So the cat's friends come on by, but your friends won't. And now you'll be all alone. Just with these stray cats that you don't want anyway. But you still keep going out there and feeding them. No, get out there and have positive talk. Talk positively. People who talk negatively all the time, they're tough to be around. 
I don't know if you know it or not, but you smell. You do. Quit it. You know, for if you if you just smell normally, go out there and take a shower and be done. <laughs> but it takes a little bit more to clean up your language. Get out there and talk positively. Well, all right, I'll give it a try. And you come on back the next week and they're still talking the same way. Why are you still talking the same way? Well, I tried it Monday and Tuesday. Didn't see anything change. No. You don't do this because you're trying something. You do it because you believe. We are not the kind of people that do what? We are not the shrinking back kind. We are the believing kind. So we don't shrink back. If it gets tough, you get in there and you get tougher. You don't just lay back on this stuff and, and not do anything. You go after it. You keep attacking. You keep building up that hope. You go back to the Word of God. Father God, I thank You for the words You showed me today to build up my hope. And you keep confessing about that hope. This is what I know to be. This is what the Word of God is saying for me. This is what He says is mine. And you keep building up that hope. Building up that hope. Building up that hope. And singing and sustaining, and shining. Oh, you'll change your situation. God will be looking down and I said, Boy, you see that one? Man, they are shining good. Can't help but see that. The devil's going to see it too. Oh, I don't want him to see. He's going to come. He's going to be beating up on me. He's going to be tacking this way and tacking that way. And Oh, no. No, you stop thinking that way. You are bigger than he is because of God in you. And the God that we serve is bigger than him. Don't you be in fear of the enemy. Because as these verses we looked at, it's the fear of the enemy that causes us to shrink back. But our God is bigger is what these verses went over. We went over these verses fast. You can go over, spend some more time on them this week. Meditate on them. Get a hold of it. We've got to build up the hope. This is what we're into, into the part now. We've got to learn how to build up our hope. Hope is not present. It is future. future. Hope is always future. You've got to have hope. There are some things that we have and there are some things that we are promised. Make sure you know the difference between them and have confessions on those things that are future. Father God, I see that I have an abundance in that area. It is coming to me. It is mine. Don't have it yet, but it's coming to me. And you begin to talk and have that confession of positive things. Don't get into the negative. Get somebody close to you who will slap you upside the face. If you get that way. Just just all just slap you. Just knock it off. Quit it. <laughs> can't get that can't receive that from everybody, can you? There's some people they slap you upside the face, you get offended and go home. <laughs> you need to have somebody in your life though they can slap you, get you upright. And, and and get you going right. Not everybody can do that to you. But you can find some people who can who can do that. Quit talking like that. Why are you talking that way? Talk this way. What's the Word of God promise you? Are you, are you talking promises? Or are you talking what's going on? Talk promises. We've got to build up the hope. Don't talk present. Talk promises. What's God promised you? What's God told you? Well, I don't know. Well, that's why you don't have any hope. Find out what He promised you. Find out what He said. Get around people that are going to keep talking to you that way. Oh, it's so helpful to have that. You get around negative people, they spread negative stuff. It's just, it's hard to keep it away from you. Just like them cats. You know, you get one or two, they go out and find three or four and five or six, you've got a whole lot of them. 
Dogs don't do that. Dogs, you know, they're, they're content by themselves. Can't compare them to dogs. But cats will do that. Now, if you want to have lots of cats, and some people like to have lots of cats, then you, that's all right. But just use that as an example. You don't need the negative stuff to come around. Stand up against it. Don't feed sorrow and mourning. Feed gladness. Joy. That's what you want to feed. Did you all stand up with me? No, I don't want to give you that. I skipped that whole area of Scripture there because we're coming pretty much to the end of the, the time here. But we'll get into it. We'll get into it next week. Amen. Yep. Thank you. We appreciate that. No, that's all right. I wasn't really mindful that I had skipped over that, but we, we took enough on it in the day and Yeah, we are. We're about over there. We'll get into Peter next time. Glory to God. Father, we thank you so much for your word. You have told us how to stay out of a life of gloom and despair. You told us how to get out of the sorrows and the mornings and to be in the joy and the gladness areas. That we come into Zion, we come in singing. That when we see the wilderness, we see beyond the wilderness and we see the abundance. We see the Garden of Eden. Even though the world tells us that things are going this way, we are of your world. We are citizens of heaven. Father, I thank you for the abundance that comes to us in that area. Whatever it is that we touch will be successful. Whatever it is we do, we do by the wisdom of God. And we work hard because we work as unto God, not unto men. We follow your principles. And people are blessed to have us as part of their team, to have us part of their, in their employment. And Father, we thank you for the blessings we are to the places where we work. We thank you for the blessings we are to our families. Thank you for the blessings we are to all the people that are around us. That we are people who sing. We are people who enjoy life because we live it with you. And don't get into the sorrow and the mourning and the fear and the worry. Father, we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.